Welcome to Wayne's World. Party on, Wayne. <laughs> Party on, Garth. You didn't say two or one. No, you just don't say two or one. <laughs> I was nodding along with you, though, though people can't see that, can they? Unfortunately. No. But uh, yeah, this week we're, uh, we're talking about all about Wayne's World, man. I'm stoked for this episode. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> for very different reasons than we should be. <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah. Uh, we'll get into that. So how have you been, man? All good? Oh, fucking hell. What do I say about that? I've got, I'm selling some books. Look, these are all my Stephen King books. Oh, that's a big pile of Stephen King books. It's more of a Stephen King mountain. Yes, I'm selling them because you know what I have instead? Go on. A Kindle. Well, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Look at the space saving. Yeah. They're all on eBay, the whole pile of 70 of them. Yeah, as a bundle? Yeah. Nice. At 100 quid with four days left, bro. I sold my expensive ones, like my first editions and stuff separately. Shit. But I just don't have a space because look at all the coffee I've bought that sits on my bookshelf now instead. <laughs> well, yeah, you've got a coffee machine now, haven't you? So Yeah, we were just talking about it on the show. Matt was stoked about it. It's featured now on two podcasts this evening. Nice, nice. Well, I have one. I need to dig it out because I haven't used it in months. But um, it does make good coffee. Um, what have you been up to? Have you been playing any games? What, what have you been doing? <sighs> yeah, um, playing Last of Us. Nice. Nice. I finished Ghost of Tsushima. Finally, finally. Oh man, so so fucking dope. You're gonna love it. I'm um, playing The Last of Us again. Gonna play Last of Us Part Two and Left Behind after this, and just gonna play through all of that shit again and put it on the shelf as done. Amazing. In between, and, of course, playing. Yeah, playing the stuff for the rest of this season of that eight bit shit show because I can get these clean out of the way because we're gonna be playing a big game. Well, I've already spoiled it on other shows. We're gonna be playing Dark Souls for. Yeah. For a future episode of that 8 bit shit show. So I need a block of time out for that. So I'm with that and the last of us. I'm spending the next couple of months playing through some of my favourite games of all time. Well, yeah, it's, it's not really a spoiler. People know Dark Souls is going to kick off our next season. Um, there's a very good reason for that. We have a very special uh, checkpoint season coming up as well, um, which will cover Dark Souls. And so we thought it'd lead nicely into the season of the next season of 8 bit shit show. So yeah. Yeah, okay it's a modern that. game. It's a modern ish. You know, it's. That's um, also at the end of this season. We'll go through our full list as we did for for season two, which Indeed. we changed one of. We took Resogun out. We did, yeah, yeah. So it's a hard decision, but yeah, well, I'm sure we'll cover that at some stage. But anyway, welcome to that Eight Bit Shit Show. I'm your host Adam. I'm here always, always. Ugh. As always, <laughs> should I start again? No, I'm here with Tom. I think you need to commit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we are here cataloging gaming's history one game at a time. And this week, we're probably going. How many have we got left? Uh, a couple of thousand at least, <laughs> maybe yeah. more. A couple of hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah. We've done like I think we've done like twenty. It would, we're making inroads. <laughs> I wanted to ask really? you something. Okay. The first season we did thirteen games. Yeah. The second season we did twelve games. That makes 25 over two seasons. So are we going to do that and go 13, 12, 13, 12, so that it always ends on like a... Like a nice number. A 25 for every two seasons. Because well, we otherwise it's going, to, it's going to fucking annoy me if it doesn't. Because no, we're you... never going to have like... Like episode 100 is going to be halfway through a season or something. For you, Tom, we will do that. 
And for you, Thanks, our listeners. <laughs> so we need to add one to our list for season three. I'm down with that. The longer, the better. Dark Souls 2. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> now, this week, we are uh, <laughs> we're delving into one of those games this week where we, we kind of had this uh, thing where we, we, we came up with this, the concept for the show. And we thought, we're not just going to look at bangers every, every single week. We're going to look at some of those games which... You know why do they exist? What what is the reason for them? And and this is probably we've certainly had a couple of them in recent times. Yeah, well, Shaq Fu is a good example of that for this series. Um, and obviously, looking at Wayne's World, now I think a lot of our focus here, Tom, is going to be on the the cultural impact of Wayne's World, the film, and not so much maybe the games. They'll be talked about, but I think the focus here is is the you know the set of films. What do you okay? Think? Well, I want to I want to talk about why that's important for a start anyway because if you think about this we talk about every time we talk about a game we talk about the cultural context of that video game what what came out that year it's not always just talk about games one of the episodes that we've already recorded for this season which is coming out two weeks from today is the tony hawks pro skater episode where although that is all about the game we have to talk about the culture surrounding skateboarding the music that was out at the time the videos so whilst we're framing the history of gaming you have to look at what existed around that what was influencing it and what was subsequently influenced by gaming and this movie was influenced by gaming and did influence a game, but also it's just part of 90s pop culture. Exactly. No, you're spot on. And I think we'll go back and talk about the games uh, very shortly, but let's let's dive in and talk about Wayne's World, the movie, first of all. The first one, which came out in 1992. Um, Crazy that that's 29 years old. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Like <laughs> It makes me feel old and morbidly just like mortal. Yeah, 30 years ago, that's insane. <laughs> I but, fucking love everything about this movie. Absolutely everything. I was going to say, this film holds up today as much as it did back in 1992. Now, it was directed by Penelope Spheris and produced by Lorne Michaels. And it was actually written by Mike Myers alongside uh, Bonnie and Lorne. Terry Turner. <laughs> Don't oh. know. Yeah. Weird name. Um, now, it was actually based on the Saturday Night Live sketch of the same name. And of course, it stars Mike Myers and as Wayne and Dana Carvey as Garth. Um, now, these are two rock music fans who run an access television show from Wayne's basement that gets hit, picked up by a corporation and turned into an absolute abomination of its original form. They basically do what we do. Exactly. Yeah, they, they really do. <laughs> like we were watching the film last night and sort of messaging and talking about, you know, the, the parallels between Wayne's World and what we're doing on that 8-Bit Shit Show. And it's... It's very similar, except we're not obviously on camera. But, you know, maybe we'll get some sleazeball producer to pick us up. and <laughs> Rob Lowe's going to come in and fuck us over. F- fuck us over and fuck our wives. We got $5,000. <laughs> we got $5,000. <laughs> but uh, so along I'd the way. I'd literally be like that if someone gave me five grand for recording the shit show. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Come on, shitheads. Cough up. And, you know, if you want to record a real shit jingle for it, go ahead. I'll take the five grand. That's fine. So along the way, during uh, during that, Wayne we meets uh, his love interest, Cassandra, who's in a band that are about to make the big time. Um, now that's sort of the crux of the of the of the, of the plot, um, and it's all about Wayne and Garth trying to get their show back and trying to get Cassandra back and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's absolutely brilliant, though. So let's talk about some of the the best bits from Wayne's World, Tom. 
I think just one thing, talking points, you talk about the crux of the plot. To me, the crux of the plot and what makes this film so identifiably 90s and that attitude coming out of the 80s into the 90s was that Wayne and Garth embody the idea of not paying attention to what the corporate world tells you is important, but deciding yourself what the fuck's important to you. Mm. And the funny thing is all the shit that's like important to other people just doesn't matter to them. Just doesn't matter. Yeah, they- like What's important to them is just what's important to them. And that's just an attitude that I just feel so like it's so worth embracing for your whole life. Damn right, and that's a, a way deeper message than you'd think to come from Wayne's World, right? But um, it's, Man, it's that, so that true. film's so well done, though. Like it, on the surface, it's just a stupid load of nonsense. But every scene, if you watch it, every scene is incredibly clever, and it's it's so sarcastic. Well, the writing's so clever as well, because on the face of it, they're making a lot of, as you say, really stupid, over the top jokes, but. It's so well thought out and so well executed that it just, it, it still, as I say, that's why it still holds up today is because the jokes are so clever. Um, and the I mean, I think you have to have been, you've got to have been the right age in the 90s to respect that film today. Do you think? I, yeah, I guess. I don't know, like, if that holds up to someone who wasn't there, man. Maybe, maybe. It'd be interesting to find out, actually. So if anyone has got any, you know, if if anyone's born what like past two thousand, let us know. Let us know. We should get Ken because he's like twelve, <laughs> and see if he'll he'll watch it. I don't. But, uh, Ken'd like it, would he? It's yeah. It's um. It's a time capsule. That movie is like the Tony Hawk video game. It just there's so many external influences just sucked into it and just wrapped up because it's about two people who just lived in the nineties. And really lived it, lived the pop culture and the same kind of stuff that we were really into. So obviously seven, eight years later. Yeah, going to gigs, metal music, that sort of stuff. Like just enjoying just being friends and like doing stupid shit together as well. Like the hockey scene on the street. I absolutely yeah, love man, that. Love <laughs> Game <Car>. on. <laughs> <Car>. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just so well put together. And one of the best scenes in that is is also where <laughs> Wayne and Garth go into the uh, the rock club, um, the Gasworks, and Garth can't get past Meatloaf. <laughs> Obviously, the, the the character Meatloaf's playing, so he goes back to his car and he lights up that whatever the fuck it is like electric rod thing. Yeah, like some kind of counterpart. I was that Meatloaf. I thought Meatloaf was the guy on the door. Oh shit! Maybe it was. Oh, this guy looked missed, like a yeah. fat slash. <laughs> Slash. <laughs> meatloaf was at the club, but I thought it was the guy on the door because I was looking out for Meatloaf because I remember him being in it. Fuck yeah, no, it was thinking about it. Yeah, he was on the door. Okay, yeah. Well, Garth goes. But yeah, he, he goes in and the guy doesn't let him pass, so he comes back with like this. But the way he sets it up is like massive references to Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Mission Impossible theme tune playing in the background. So good. What do you Garth's want, dweeb? <laughs> but uh, like. And then the thing's like, there's a reason that the Fender Stratocaster is my favourite guitar of all time, even though it's such a generic bullshit like mm. p- piece of cultural iconography. It doesn't actually relate to any genre of music or anything. Everyone had that guitar. Yeah, everyone wanted the Because of Wayne's world, like, I would have a white Strat if I could have anything. She will be mine. Oh, yes. <laughs> it will be mine. Even though like, something like an SG looks way cooler. I mean, yeah, I prefer a Telecaster personally, but it, uh, you are right. The cultural significance or impact of 
Wayne like desiring that guitar through the whole film until he eventually gets his well, hands. Everyone on it. who doesn't play guitar knows what a Fender Stratocaster is because of Wayne's World. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, the another interesting point is we we're talking about it um, as we were watching the film yesterday, Tom. Is where they like they have a little bit of a uh, an after party together on the on the car outside the airport. That's a really. And they're talking scene. about whether they thought Bugs Bunny was hot when he dressed <laughs> yeah. up in women's clothes. It's great. <laughs> Literally, the kind of conversation we would have had. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why this resonates so much with us. It's because we were just talking shit all the time like that. Do you think Bugs Bunny would have been, you know, when he dressed up as a girl bunny, he was hot? <laughs> but but it's true. I watched that movie and I'm like, I'd be messed with these guys. Oh fuck yeah. Absolutely. And although they, but but also not in the way that they they don't come across or even try to come across as cool in any fucking way at all. No, they're just into what they're but, into. But that's what makes it so cool for me is it's so like, it's so honest and like good hearted. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. They're these rocker types, but they're not like badasses at all. They're just fucking dorks. Yeah, full on. Yeah, yeah. So like around the time that this came out, there's a lot of other good films going on as well. Um, so just give give you a few movies from the era. So we had Batman Returns, which was the highest gross in that year. Um, a crazy movie, that. A dark, dark as fuck as well. One of the darker ones of that, yeah, when, you know, the earlier Batman films, definitely. And then George Clooney. Well, after, after that, yeah, after that, it was forever and Batman and Robin, wasn't it? Yeah. What a tonal shift from the Michael Keaton films. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Home Alone 2 came out in 1902, Lost in New York. Fucking love Home Alone two. Who doesn't love Home Alone two? Like, if anyone says to me, do you like that like better it, than Home Alone one? I do. I don't know because I watched the first one again this Christmas, and I, I really Next like both. Season, maybe we should add in Home Alone as the video game. Ooh, yeah. So we can go and watch this. Well, we should, we're we should gonna review our list again and see, make sure we've got a shitty movie tie in. And I think we should time that one around Christmas, and maybe do it the season after. Okay, yeah, maybe. But uh, Aladdin came out. Hook, Sister Act. Here's one. Basic Instinct. Ooh, a bit of badge. The most paused scene in movie history. <laughs> uh, Patriot Games were a great film. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Beethoven, Alien 3. Oh, Man, wait, fucking I love Alien 3. I do as well. It's great. As a, as a fan of like, the series. I, I know it's not as good as Aliens or Alien, but people who say Alien 3 isn't good, suck my dick. <laughs> it's so cool. The concept of that being on a prison planet and it's like, and I love the guy who's like, uh, who runs the prison, the bald dude. Isn't he the guy out of Top Gun? Could be. He, he looks know. like, you know, the guy who's like, you two jokes are going to Top Gun. <laughs> it could be. I'm yeah. sure it's him. He's like, no, Ripley, you're fucked. It might not be him, but it looks like him, but I think he's actually a bloke from Yorkshire. And then Charles dances in it. Oh, of course he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Ty- Tyrone Lannister's in it and he shags Sigourney Weaver <laughs> I don't know which is worse oh god which would you take well, Tyrone Lannister or Sigourney Weaver <laughs> I'd fuck Tyrone Lannister any day uh, Sigourney Weaver would snap your dick off like there's, there's no there's no way but obviously um, that movie or that series was like the inspiration from Metroid and Samus so how can you not like it you know, as a gamer. Uh, the Mighty Ducks, one of my favourite films ever. <laughs> what a film that is. Really? I fucking love Mighty Ducks, yeah. Hockey film, right? I never really watched it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a Disney hockey film, yeah. It's got um, Joshua Jackson as the lead in it and uh, Emilio Estevez. It's, um, it's fucking brilliant, but only because I probably I grew up with it and loved it as a kid. So, uh, 
Bandstoker's Dracula. That's a good film. Yeah, see, that is fucking amazing. The Gary Oldman one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Have great, you seen that? Film. I have, yeah, years and years Absolutely ago. Absolutely love that movie. <laughs> Candyman, Tom. That's one. my favourite horror movie of all time. One, one of, like, right up there. I've seen bits of it. I have you not seen that all the way through? Don't think so. No. Absolutely incredible. Like, terrifying that film is. Probably why I haven't watched it all the way through. <laughs> I watched that when I was eight. I know that. Fucking hell. Um... Wow. It was on my eighth birthday, and my dad let me watch it. And that was the one movie that made me not sleep for like several days. Jesus. Like to a point that my mum had to, like, actually, my mum and dad were separated, and she always knew I watched like shit I shouldn't be watching at my dad's. And that was the one that actually made her have to like phone him up and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, he's come home and he hasn't slept for a week. Oh like, my God. So I was eight, so I must have watched it the year after it came out. But that movie is genuinely terrifying. Jesus. Yeah. Man, <laughs> it's, it's, it's also based on the Cabrini Green Social Housing Project, which is something if you study architecture, you would study that, right? Because it was like this big social experiment of housing, basically. Okay, that's now knocked down, and they won't rebuild on it because of the legacy of how bad it was. What? So, like, it's actually based on like fabled events at that place. Not the events of it, but the the, the place was so, so bad for violent crime that they made them the myth of Candyman based around that place, that ghetto. Holy shit. And it was it was basically a the equivalent of a bunch of council flats built by the um the guy I think it was in Chicago, the called Cabrini Green Housing Project. It was a social experiment for housing to see how it'd work and it created like the worst ghetto of American history. Holy um, shit. and they and they ended up when they cleared it out, they demolished the whole thing and they've refused to rebuild on it. Fucking because there's still such a negative association with the area. That's why I love the movie so much because the I know we're getting off track, but the atmosphere tied into like the sense of place yeah, and yeah. the importance of what that place is to that film is so good. Wow. Man, that's some in depth knowledge there of Candyman and the uh surrounding events. Uh and then we'll end on uh an all time classic, which is Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. <laughs> this reminds me very much of when we did the Tony Hawk episode. We were going for all the list of bands that released albums that year. And we we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So amazing, amazing. And talking about it. And then I ended on Anal Cunt. <laughs> <laughs> very similar. Very similar. What a great Arnie film that is. Like, why did that get made? Uh, okay. But this is a, just a great excuse for us to indulge in the wonders of the 90s again. Well, that's what this this whole episode is really about. What this show is about. It is, is actually. nostalgia and history. Because video games don't exist in a bubble. Like, mm. And that's why when we get... the what, what we basically come down to is this is a shit game. A fucking terrible, terrible fucking shit game. Let's not beat around the bush there. It, it really is. We were like, let's talk about Wayne's World. Yeah. What better excuse to talk about one of the the best films of that early nineties period, or even of you know the whole nineties? I absolutely loved that film growing up. Um, I think Bohemian Rhapsody in that film is one of the most significant examples of music in a film. I think if you told somebody, like if you ask somebody what you know what scene do they know from Wayne's World, they'd know that scene, and they butchered it in the game. Oh God, yeah. Well, yeah. Which game are you talking about? The SNES or NES? I, uh, I think it appeared in the. Which one did it appear? It appeared in, but did it appear in both? I think so. It yeah. was in the Super NES version for definite, and it was an awful, awful rendition. Well, yeah, we'll we'll get into that, but uh, yeah, cultural significant film, very culturally significant film, not so much when transferred over to games. So the the, the games that were produced came out on the NES, the Game Boy, 
the SNES and the Mega Drive. Um, now, the NES and um, SNES slash Mega Drive versions were completely different, and we're going to talk about that in a bit. Um, but the NES and Game Boy games were developed by Radical Entertainment, and they've got right. Wayne and Garth as playable characters. But the Super NES and Mega Drive or Genesis games were developed by Grey Matter, and you can only play as Wayne. Um, both published by THQ and released a year after the film in 1993. Garth features in the 16-bit version, though, doesn't he? He's in there, and there's actually... Like you're, you're rescuing him. It's a really weird concept for the, 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 the that uh, SNES slash Mega Drive version. Very, very weird concept. We'll go on to talk about that in a little bit, but um, let's talk about the background and development of it first. So there's actually... Not, yeah, moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, there's actually not a lot to say on the development of these games. Like, they were made. No, this, this was a, hey, guys, we're going to give you some money to make a game based on this movie. Do it. Yeah. It, it looks uh, as if... Release it. Like, and, and that was it. Exactly. There was yeah. no thought went into it, really. It was just a bad, just badly made chance to cash in on a, an, an IP. And this does happen in gaming. Not every game is significant in any way. Well, hey, this movie's quite popular. Let's go make a game about it. Um not necessarily bothered about the quality, just make it, sell it. Because the brand will sell. Um, but what I do want to talk about, Tom, and we can go into this a little bit deeper, actually, is it's the first time we're looking at the publisher, THQ, on this mm. show. To hook. So, <laughs> to hook. <laughs> to hook. <laughs> I don't think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, to hook was a US-based video game company. was based <laughs> They were based in Calabasas in California. Uh, founded in 1990. So in only, where? Calabasas. Calabasas. It's like, Calabasas. The posh, it's like the posh area of California. Right. Uh, I think. It's not Compton then. Um, no, not not quite. Uh, so they, they found it only two years before Waynesville came out, and that really shows. Um, but they then went bust in 2012, but some of it was sold off to other gaming companies. So Nordic Games bought the THQ trademark in 2014. It didn't. THQ Nordic were famous for just buying up fucking studios for years on end. Yeah, so I can't think of what they actually produced in terms of games, but um, they, I don't know if they're still going even. Let me check that out. Hey, so that, what you've got now is, yeah, THQ Nordic sort of still exists, but everything is references under the Embracer Group, okay. which is the parent company of THQ Nordic. Now, we're really we're really talking post-shitshow kind of era here. Oh, yeah, massively. Um, but they're very much alive and well in different forms. So if I get THQ Nordic Games, um, Destroyer Humans under them, actually. Metro, Saints Row, uh, Empire City Mani most recently on um, PlayStation Plus. Ah, okay. They, they own a whole bunch of studios. City Skylines by then, this war of mine. Um, what else have we got? But the Embracer group is the one that you keep hearing today. Uh, it's some Darksiders. Yeah, that was under them. MX versus ATV series. Uh, De Blob. I like that game. You played De Blob? I have not played De Blob. I like <laughs> what is that? Does that sound like a game I'd like? It does. Um, Ori. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So De Blob 2. <laughs> the return of De Blob. <laughs> um, Embracer group, however... So this gets a bit confusing. I'm not really prepared that well to talk about this. That's but fine. Embracer Group own... You know, I'm just interested to just dip in for a minute. They own THQ Nordic, Cock Media. 
<laughs> um, Saber Interactive, who yeah, obviously very famous, amplified these. So, Tsushima Nordic own. They they basically have fifty five studios in Racer Group. Jesus fucking Christ! Okay, but they're one of the ones. Like you've heard of Tencent, who mm-hmm. keep appearing in, in buying studios, and THQ Nordic were doing that for ages. It was like THQ Nordic bought so and so, they bought so and so, but now it does seem I don't know exactly what's happened with Nordic that the news line is always Embracer Group has bought. Right. Okay. So they've maybe been acquired themselves. But um, let's go back a little bit before all of that happened and look at what THQ did more in our sort of uh the yeah they've been around forever cover. yeah so a lot of wrestling games tom um have you played wcw any? versus nwo is my favorite wrestling game of all time yeah on the n64 1997 yeah. great well it, great reviews i loved game. playing as sting he was a great character based on uh, the crow yeah um my favorite wrestler of all time is Leparco, of course who <laughs> Leparka. No. See, this is what happened. I liked WCW, which is basically poor man's WWF. Yeah. See, I was a WWF fan. Google Leparka, La P A R K A wrestler. Leparka. Click images and look at this guy, and he's straight up WCW. And he used to do this thing where he'd walk onto stage and like jiggle his knees around and do this like crazy (laughs) entrance. But he'd come on and just like do this thing where he'd like shake his knees from left to right. So he's, he's wild, man. He's straight up just the bad guy from Karate Kid. He looks yeah. like Skeletor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, NBA Live 98 came out on the Saturn in 97 yeah, by uh, THQ. Yeah, probably not. Then a host of wrestling games. WWE Nitro in 91 on the PS1. WWF WrestleMania 2000. And then your favourite series, I bet. I bet. 100% Smackdown series on the PS1. The PS2 PS2 Smackdown. I remember you having a permanent boner over that game. Oh, it's so good. And, and I would go back and play that. And I was like, go to game. Now. <laughs> and then you did. Haha. <laughs> you did. You told me to get a GameCube, so I did. But yeah, so THQ very, very much linked with the wrestling world. But they also went on to produce uh, Red Faction, PS1. Red Faction with their destructive environments. Yeah, what a revolutionary series that was I'd like to, I could see that series having another entry well Gorilla was I didn't like Gorilla you see but it was very well thought of their third yeah. entry but maybe, maybe what was the Gorilla doing on Mars exactly I asked the same question I thought it was shit <laughs> chucking bananas uh, youtube.com slash happy hour gaming for our multiplayer playthrough of Gorillas on MS-DOS that's a great game a a little video. hidden gem um and MX versus ATV Unleashed. I put that in there because we played. I fucking love that series. I fucking love Reflex is my favorite. Nice, nice. Uh, Reflex had the uh, the system where you could control the rider weight with the right hand stick, and you could really make that back wheel dig in on the turns, and it actually started to feel like riding a motocross bike. Nice. See, I felt more like riding a jet ski actually, the way you could like dig in and boost that. Of course, yeah. Because I'd never ridden a motocross bike fast enough to get that feeling in real life. <laughs> No, I don't think I have either. But no, um, I pooled around fields on them, and that's that's about it. Yeah. So I guess that's that's THQ, Tom. I think um, what I wanted to delve into their history because I'm sure we're going to come across some of the games maybe on the list. Oh yeah, for sure. About. Well, fucking, I definitely want to get in some of their N64 wrestling games. The golden era, you could say, of yeah. wrestling games. Well, there's so many of them now. Now we've only got really shit ones um, by 2K Games, which are fucking yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, um. So they've Man. got a, a pretty rich history. 
looking back at THQ, and it was that period sort of 1996-7 onwards where they really started hitting, you know, their stride as a as a publisher um, and getting these really great titles on board. But um, And you also see that thing where a publisher locks itself into, a, you know, certain games. Yeah, quite, and they're just known certain for genres. It. Like EA did back in the day, yeah. sports games and stuff. But um, before all that, back in 1992 when Wayne's World came out, obviously not everything they were doing was, was turning to gold quite as much as it was later on in their uh, development cycles. So, Tom, let's take us into the, the games that we're actually supposed to be talking about. Um, I've played both. And we've got the NES version to start with. Do you want to take everyone through what the NES version of this game is? Okay, so I'm going to be straight up here. I played quite a small amount of both. There's only a couple of levels, really, on each game, like three or four levels. Yeah, it's very, very limited. Um, both games are utterly, utterly terrible. The NES version, you play as Garth at the start, dressed as one of the Bee Gees. <laughs> yeah, you do. So the NES version is a side scrolling platform that bears very little correspondence or resemblance to anything to do with Wayne's World, except the fact that there's a um, music-themed level to start with. So you're walking through and you're in, like, drum world or something because garth yeah. plays drums yeah and you just walk to the right and shoot yeah it's very, an attack yeah very shit. Uh, like there's nothing to it in this music store um I, I just don't know what they were trying to do at all and then you do play as wayne on the next part and the controls are so terrible with the attack which is this kick he does that you can't hit anything Exactly. So let's, in terms of like the, the I, mean, I think I, I, I'm so confused by what this game was trying to do that I don't really have much to say about it. Well, the NES version is actually, uh, it's trying to keep more faithful to the plot of the film and it doesn't do a very good job of it, but you can, I can kind of see where they were trying to go with it. They're trying to make this sort of fun platform out of each sort of important scene in the film. So they're trying to go through the process of Wayne and Garth trying to get their public access show back from Benjamin, the producer. Um, so, yeah, as you say, the first episode, the first sort of set of levels where you play as Wayne and Garth are in Kramer's music store where he tries to get Excalibur. Yeah, and you find enemies like spiders. It, exactly. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, the controls are absolutely just fucking awful. The input lag's really bad. Really, really bad. But not only that, like the way you attack and the way the levels are designed, that you jump onto certain levels, there's no way to avoid getting hit. Mm. If you die, you start over, like one life. Yeah, it's really, really unrewarding. You can gameplay. take a few hits. You can take a few hits, but it's ugly as fuck. You've got these like green walls, purple floors, like mm. the, the characters. Like I said, go, my joke about Garth being in, in the Bee Gees, he's just white. He doesn't have any colour. <laughs> Yeah, it's really shit. I know Garth was like the whitest guy ever, but give him his yellow hair and blue shirt or something at least. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I did manage to complete this. I went all the okay, way through. Did you find all the ninjas and black cats that were such a persistent enemy in the film? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And all the spiders and the, you know. Definitely a persistent threat. <laughs> but uh, so the first first level goes through the, the music store. The second level, uh, you're going through the gas works. Um, Third level, you're trying to get to Benjamin's. You're going through Benjamin's um, studio, and you eventually get to his apartment, where you eventually have to fight him. And that fight just consists of you just kicking him constantly on the floor as Wayne. Like you just got to duck and kick him as much as you can. 
Before I just couldn't today. bring myself to keep playing it after oh, like half an hour. I think I played. Do you know what reminds me? And when we start the show, out, we're like, we're going to play a whole game. Every-. I'm not. I'm just not going to do it to myself with ones like this because some of them just should not exist. And like now, when we get a bad game that comes yeah. out, okay, like some games come out and we're like, oh, that's a bad game. At least they function. That's <laughs> true. Like there was zero quality control by them. But the funny thing is, is this comes on a cartridge which says Nintendo Seal of Quality. That's insane as well because they're like so precious about what games come out on the system. And they let this slip through the net clearly, because probably they know it's going to sell. Like, absolutely, it was going to sell. I would have bought this back in the day just based on the fact that it um, it was Wayne's World. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's some really, really shitty ideas put into this game that just don't work. I mean, it it doesn't make sense why they why they went the way they did with it. But um, like. It reminded me a little bit of The Simpsons, uh, Bart vs. Space Mutants, in a way. Bart vs. Space Mutants was a thousand times better than this game. Oh, I'm not saying it's better, but yeah. Because that had a really cool idea about painting stuff a certain colour. Yeah, it had way more mechanics in it. I forgot we reviewed that game, man. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah? uh, Grown on me since we first played it. Maybe this is the power of nostalgia. I probably end up thinking it's good in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that was a great review. Enjoyed that one. That was a great game, that was. <laughs> Just like has told me. But, um, I mean, that's there's not much else to that, that NES version of the game. Um, there's a bonus level where weirdly you go to the donut shop and have to collect donuts for, to up your life. Oh, and you can't get the ones on the middle shelves. Yeah, what the fuck? And it and it says here as well. Like I, I looked it up, and you can if you gather all the donuts, you get an extra life. But that's not possible. So, <laughs> oh, what's that? Ah, uh-huh. oh, hello. What are you drinking tonight? I never asked you. San Miguel. Oh, okay. I was hoping for a no, wine themed so beer. Yeah, no, I was. I couldn't. I found my Sonic the Hedgehog two beer. You have, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, Nice. Um, could have got a Wainwright. Could have gone for that. Hey, fucking what a moron. Like, the whole time, I'm like, oh, I can't think of any Wayne's World beers. I drink Wainwright all the time. <laughs> uh, Thanks, man. Well, there you Thanks go. Thanks for texting me before the show to remind me. Anytime. Let's move on to the snare slash I'm pissed drive. off, man. I want to start again. <laughs> what, so you can have a themed beer? I'm going to go out to the shop and get a Wainwright. Right, we're going to pause it here, and Tom's going to come back with a fucking Wainwright. Is there I'd have a, to drive to Morrison's. Is there a Garth-themed beer? Garth Mills? That rings a bell. Garth Mills, a um, a large, stately home on the edge of Newtown. <laughs> Garth Mill Hall. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Tom, the SNES version, which, I mean, this is even fucking worse than the NES version. I disagree. <laughs> it really is, though. I think they're both wank. <laughs> yeah, but like, they're both zeros. I managed to complete the, the NES one. I couldn't get past the first. Good. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, just because something ends doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that makes it better than the SNES version because that doesn't fucking end. <laughs> I couldn't beat the first level of this. As as you will see if you go back and watch Happy Hour Gaming presents that eight bit shit show unplugged over on youtubecom gaming from last week. You'll see that I could not beat the first level, and I played again. I still could not beat the first level. It's a maze, and it all looks the same. But you know what, Tom? If even if you had beat that first level, the second stage is exactly the same. Fantastic. The third stage is exactly the fucking same. So you've got about four different levels on this, 
with why is some Wayne's head so big? I don't know. The design is really odd and it's kind of creepy as well. Like, I don't know what they were trying to achieve there. Uh, so you're at Noah's Arcade in this one, and you get sucked into the game Xantar, where Garth. Yeah, this is the game where they ask when when Noah is having the board meeting with Benjamin and who's the other guy called there? Uh, begins. Oh ben- fuck. Uh, shit, <laughs> I've forgotten. And look that up. The other dude, and and they're like, "Oh, what's the latest game?" And he's like, "Oh, it's Xantar, where uh, there's a some a gelatinous blob eating everything or something." Yeah, that's gelatinous a- cube. Who doesn't have a gelatinous cube, huh? <laughs> and that's the final boss in the game, I, I believe. It is. Yeah, you've got to rescue him. Um, so this has a higher level concept, but I like that the whole game was built on one very small reference. Yeah, it's like... They, Are you looking for this guy? I am, yeah. I really, I really want to know his fucking name. Is it some point, Probably, but I just need to, I'm going to find it. I'm thinking Wayne's World, full cast and crew. Let's go. Russell, got it. Russell, yeah. He looks like a Russell, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he wears that horrendous like, shell suit. <laughs> I fucking love that shell suit. I would, I would so wear that. You, you definitely would, and you'd wear it in public proudly. I'd go, I'd go skiing in that shit. <laughs> I did back in the 90s. Fuck. Uh... So yeah, they're, they're in. Basically, they get sucked into the game Xantar, where Garth is captured by the titular purple gelatinous cube. Um, so Wayne's got to try and rescue him, going through all these levels, which have a, a resemblance to certain scenes in the film. So you're at the the music store, um, you're at freaking Gasworks. Uh, you end up in like a on the last level, you're in like a weird version of the suburb that Wayne lives in. So there's some kind of loose reference to the scenes in the film in in Aurora, Illinois. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I often wonder what might be up there in space, but I often think I'd go boldly go where no man has gone before, but I'll probably just stay in Aurora. (laughs) So good. Uh, One thing, if you, if you start, obviously when we do this show, we're like, right, we've got to research stuff. And, um, a lot of these games do not have any information about their developmental history. So we get on the Wikipedias and we find the blogs and YouTube videos and we we gather all the information together we can find and then we talk about our opinions of it and our memories of it. And one of the things you will find if you start researching this game is the Angry Video Game Nerds uh, discussion about it. <laughs> um, yeah. And he points out... So I didn't want to just like lay this claim that I had noticed this without without shouting out that video because he's one thing i love about that video is how he splices it with clips of the film so much right yeah okay but he points out the fact that every time you get hit in that game wayne goes nah (laughs) (laughs) he really does with no context like like but it's like they didn't and as he mentions in the video it's like it's like barat not understanding how the not joke works that you got hit and you go nah (laughs) like like what, what are you saying not to well, in the in the NES version, when you die, it keeps going no way, and it's fucking really annoying because I died a lot in that. Well, that makes more sense than just nah. It does it makes slightly more sense. Uh, yeah, so go and check that out as well because uh, that guy is very funny. Um, there's not much else to say about this version. It's it's just overly long, overly complex. The the levels all look the same. The level design is horrible, uh, ugly, ugly as fuck. The sprites are and you've got this big. guitar weapon, you guitar and shoot like bolts of lightning. And the, the gameplay is over. You jump into stuff. The enemies are too packed together. You can accidentally jump up to the next levels you don't want to do. Just, ugh. ugh. 
I, don't I fucking hate it. Don't talk about it anymore, Tom. It's, it's fucking shit. <laughs> cool. Yeah, see you next week. Um, what I do want to go on to is talking about how this game was received, because uh, as you can imagine, not well. <laughs> not well at all. Take a suit of the same way that a poo being put back in would be received. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> very, very poorly. <laughs> oh, what was that? <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, yeah. Take us through John the Davis from Corn reviewed it. Did he? <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, he did. Fifty years old today. Jonathan Davis from Corn. Fuck! Really? I saw it on uh, on Facebook. Yeah, on JD from Corn celebrating his fiftieth birthday. So fucking Wayne's World is thirty years old, and he's fifty. Jesus yeah. Christ! He's still going. <laughs> mm, duck, mm, bum, bali, bum. Yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. I think my, my, my interpretation was, was way more avant-garde. <laughs> Come on, take us through these reviews. Right, so John Davis, a super play review in the SNES version. Was bored with it. <laughs> well, there you go. Describing his gameplay as only jumping around collecting things. Has he ever played a game in the 90s or what? <laughs> <laughs> the only appealing fact is being his voice samples of, and Wayne and Garth's faces. Extreme close up. <laughs> uh, Computer Gaming World stated in 1993 that PC version of Wayne's World is like fun, man. The magazine, well, it's not though, is it? No. Um, the magazine recommended the game to those new to adventures. <laughs> if you've been on an adventure before, don't play this. But if you've never been on an adventure, Play it. This will be a good entry. A rather typical game with good humour, unexpected twists. Really? And an odd setting. What? I'll tell you an unexpected twist. Did you expect the boss of one of the levels to be the donut man that Garth kills? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that doesn't feel good. Free, 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 free. That was one of the bosses, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, no, I didn't. That is an unexpected twist, I suppose. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's bogus. A later review in the magazine advised against Wayne's World as an introductory adventure game for children. <laughs> these these game reviewers at the day were very specific. Can you imagine like someone on IGN being like, I advise against this as an introductory adventure game for children. But as a normal game for adults, go right ahead. <laughs> well, semi-experienced at least. Commenting on the NES version, GamePro's Data Carvey Praise the game's humour, such as with its enemies between level cutscenes and manual, but panned its perceived lack of difficulty. That's bullshit. And poor presentation. He wrote the enemies were easily beatable, the backgrounds of sprites were undetailed and flat, and its audio consisted of a pretty cheesy soundtrack, which I will emphasise on the NES version is just a fucking loop of a couple of seconds That's awful. over and over again. And sparse sound effects reminiscent of games from the 1980s. Super Pro's Sam Hickman named Wayne's World as the worst SNES game of 1993. I think that's fucking fair enough. It is awful. So both games are shit. I think the the, the one thing we can say about this is don't bother playing either version. Um, we don't often come away from uh, you know the games that we cover on this show saying definitely don't play it at least some of them are like yeah check it out give it a go but there's a fair few there's often sorry there's sometimes uh ones we come across which are just so bad that it's not worth your time so we saved you 10 minutes of your life tom 
Any final thoughts on Wayne's World? No. <laughs> no, oh. just watch the film. There you go. I want to propose something to you. Oh, interesting. Have a live debate with you. Okay. At what point and in what format, i.e. as an after party or as an after hours, do we look at where we've got to so far and rank the games on that 8-bit shit show? Ooh. And then keep a continuous ranking and adjust it and revisit this time and time again. I think this could be an after-hours thing. Because we have, at the end of a season of that 8-bit shit show, we do the after party. Mm. Yep. And we we talk about what we played last season, what we think of it, and what we're going to be playing the next season. I think that stands and can exist. I think we could do a happy hour game in after-hours. Every couple of seasons, definitely after season two, when we've hit 25 games, and do a ranking of those games. Do we have like a live online leaderboard? So, you know. Ooh. Ooh, and we could do it every episode. Yeah, where does this rank? And we could rank it every day. And we could could add it in every episode. That's a fucking great idea. And we we could have that 8-bit shit show leaderboard. Hell yeah. I say we do that. Well, I think we do that between season two and three. And I think we'll have an after-hours episode where me and you get together and we discuss and plan the ranking of the first 25 games. And then after each week, after we do the show, I can update the rankings. That is a sound idea. I'm excited for that. <laughs> I like that. And we get a continuous... And then, I, yeah, I can link them into the show and whatever. We're going to do all sorts of technical wizardry in the background. You're getting Call a little, little insight into the inner workings of uh, the mind of Tom Maskey there for Happy I, Hour I Gaming. Think, I think... A, a, a leaderboard is good here. It's a cool idea. Definitely a cool idea. We'll, we'll we explore that. Every game ever made. Fuck yeah. Well, this this is currently bottom, okay? I'm just putting that out there. I don't know. This is what this what got me thinking about this, is asking, was this worse than Bill and Ted? Yeah, it fucking was. It's going to be like a star in a reasonably priced car, isn't it? That's what, exactly what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's get that sorted out, because we're going to have to have a debate on these as well. Because uh, a mass debate, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was just about to go there. <laughs> I, I was going to be like, we got some kind of large debate. <laughs> a sizable one. Anyway, we will bring all of that information to you as and when we bring it all together. But uh, thank you for listening to that 8-Bit Shit Show. Uh, check us out over at happyhourgaming.net. Uh, we can find all of our other shows, uh, Season 1 and the rest of Season 2 that we've already done so far. Uh, How many have we got left, and what have we got left? We have got only three episodes left of Season 2. We've got Guacamole 2 coming up next week. And following that, we have... What do we have? Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And then we round out the season. Season 2 finishes off with a bang with Final Fantasy. So tune in. It's going to be uh, an epic slog to get through that one before, before we get to the episode. So, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again next time. Bye bye. Hold on, I've lost it. No, you haven't. Oh my, oh my nan! Wait there. Yeah, I've lost it. Now.